following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. As Hill said, um, the series that we've been doing, and uh, I know we've had lots of praying this morning, but just uh, if you can uh, just pray with me one more time, (laughs) just for my benefit. Father, we are so grateful that we can come around your word right now. Lord, um, we yield ourselves to your word to the work of Holy Spirit in us as we read your word and as we think about the things that you've said in your word. And Lord, we pray that your presence will be near, uh, that you will teach us your ways and that your name would be glorified in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, promises Jesus uh, made. That's, that's what we're looking at and we're going to continue to look at. Um, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, and we're going to look at verses 18 to 20. The NIV version, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So there's, when you look at this verse, I was um, very intrigued to find out that there are like three different parts. There's a fact, there's instructions, and then there's a promise. And it stands for FIP. No, it doesn't. It's actually known as the Great Commission. The fact, the instructions, and the promise. Yeah, you were supposed to laugh. Anyway, the Great Commission. So, the fact is that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Supreme and total authority. No questions asked. The instructions are to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the triune God, to teach them to obey Jesus' commands. And the promise is that Jesus will be present always, right to the end of the world. So let's look at the fact, the first thing. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. What was happening for the disciples at this time um, when they heard these words from Jesus? So for that, we kind of have to go a bit further up in the chapter. And we're going to look from um, verse 12, um, where, you know, the, what's happened is that it's the Resurrection Sunday uh, the women have met the, the freaked out guards because there's been a violent earthquake and they've met the angels and now they're on their way to see the disciples. 
But uh, verse 12 says, when, um, sorry, verse 11, let's go from verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole them away while we were asleep. What was the point of having the guards? If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took their money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The story that the disciples came and chose, uh, stole the body of Jesus. So that was happening. Um, there was rumors about them. And then in verse 16 um, and 17, it goes on to say, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so some of the disciples, not only were they being, uh, they were dealing with rumors, but they were themselves trying to come to grips with the fact that Jesus was alive because they hadn't seen him yet. Um, They were on their way to meet him. So it's to this context that Jesus is speaking to them. And one of the first things he says to them is, it's okay. It's okay because all authority in in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if we look at Matthew, the, the, the gospel of Matthew, uh, when we look at this verse, a bit of background is that Matthew's main focus in his gospel is to really talk about the authority and the sovereignty of Jesus. So he starts in, in chapter one with the genealogy of, of Jesus and traces his ancestry back to King David, like Josh really spoke to us a few weeks ago about really well. And then he almost spends a whole chapter in chapter two talking about just the Magi who came to visit Jesus when he was born. He doesn't talk about the shepherds or anything else. It's just about the Magi. And he mentions the fact that they were coming to see the king of the Jews and then the whole plan of Herod to try and get rid of this king. And then many, many instances in the whole Gospel of Matthew where he talks about how Jesus taught with authority, he healed with authority, he forgave sins with authority, he cast out demons with authority. And so Matthew's focus is just so much about the authority of Jesus. And so it's fitting that right the very end words that he would speak is to remind us Um, of what Jesus said to the disciples about all authority in heaven and and on earth has been given to Jesus. And it's interesting because in Psalm 110, it's a famous psalm where, you know, again, uh, it's prophesied about the fact that the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Um, the Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Um, and, and goes on uh, to, to talk about Jesus, really, and, and his authority and his priesthood. And then Jesus himself um, referred to himself as the Son of Man. And, and that comes from Daniel chapter 7, uh, particularly in verse 14, where it's talking about Daniel's vision and he's saying, he, that is, um, 
if the son of man, if we go back to verse 13, say, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And we see this time and time again in uh, the vision that John had and, and the book of Revelation where he's writing about it. So when we read in the book of Acts, uh, when the disciples were going and doing the things that Jesus had asked them to do and the early church was being established, um, they didn't do anything other than in the name of Jesus. They taught in the name of Jesus. They healed in the name of Jesus. They, they even spoke up to those in authority like kings and magistrates and um, religious leaders um, in, in the authority of Jesus because they knew they didn't have any authority. Do you know? They, they didn't actually have any authority because of their status of who they were and the lack of education, and their lack of credibility with the religious leaders. So they had to act in the authority and in the name of Jesus. So Jesus, right off the bat, is assuring them that they can act under his authority, which is total, ultimate, supreme. That's it, full stop. Then the second thing that Jesus says to them is the instructions. He's giving them instructions. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about a disciple. A disciple is actually an apprentice, a padawan. Do you know, someone, in Jesus' time, in Jesus' time, um, a true disciple attached themselves to a teacher. They lived with the teacher. They walked with the teacher. They, they observed. They learned. They, they, they spent all their time with the teacher so that they could learn to identify with him. They could learn to breathe like him, to talk like him, to understand where he was coming from. And a great teacher really would have the kind of disciples that would continue to make disciples and pass on that teacher's teachings for generations to come, not just a, a passing fad. And Jesus seemed to have three things in mind um, as to how his disciples were to make disciples. <laughs> they were to go. So um, the, the Greek word that Jesus uses here or Matthew uses here is actually an active verb it's not just go a one-off thing it's going as you're going wherever you are going um, is is what Jesus was saying um, and and to make disciples from all nations so here it's really important to know that Jesus was saying don't discriminate it's like anyone and everyone that you come across along the way of your going is someone that you can disciple to follow me. And the other thing that, the second thing they were supposed to do is they were to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very specific as to whose name they were supposed to use. And the third thing they were supposed to do is to teach 
these disciples to obey everything that Jesus had commanded and taught. So by doing this, the disciples were making disciples that would follow Jesus, that would not follow them, even though Paul does say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But really, it's about making disciples who will follow Jesus. Um, Because Jesus knew the lifetime of the disciples uh, was limited, right? They weren't going to live forever, but Jesus lives forever. Um, And so the instruction is to form disciples that would have a direct relationship with the master himself. So today, if we look around, there's lots of teachers, lots of gurus, lots of disciples, lots of influencers and lots of followers and lots of celebrities and lots of absolutely crazy obsessed fans. But the chance for relationship to be intimate and meaningful and one-on-one between these people and their followers is next to nil. Because the whole idea is to increase your reach, is to increase your voice and your influence. So it's about gathering a crowd and disciples, but it's not really about individual influence. It's limited. You know, if we think about Apple, for example, you know, Steve Steve Jobs? I don't know if it's Jobs or Jobs. But anyway, Steve Jobs. He is the one that people think of. Like, does anybody know the... I mean, no, no. Some, um, you might know the name of the CEO who is there now, but Steve Jobs is Apple, right? Michael Jackson is music. The Beatles are music. ABBA is music. You know, there's nobody that can replace them. People, lots of people try and they come close, but they are not the real deal. But everyone who is a disciple of Jesus can have Jesus as their master, can have Jesus as their, the person that they follow. And like we heard a couple of weeks ago, Jesus is so keen to come to us. Just like he came to his disciples in verse, verse 18, he came to them. He's keen to come to us. Jesus is keen to be a part of our everyday lives, just like he was a part of his disciples' everyday lives. Jesus is keen to teach us his ways, just like he taught his OG 12 his ways. And all of this is possible because of Holy Spirit. And Jesus talked a lot about going away so Holy Spirit can come. Uh, The Father sent the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, who was sent in Jesus' name to continue the mission that Jesus started. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will teach the disciples all things and remind them of everything he said to them so that his ministry can continue on. But it will continue on on an individual level through each of us, through each of his disciples. So you know what? The pressure is off us to try and gather disciples for us. We're not gathering disciples to be like us. We're gathering disciples. We're making disciples so that they can be like Jesus. And that's what we want. So thirdly is where we come to the promise. We have the fact. We have 
the instructions and then we come to the promise that Jesus makes. And it's interesting that the promise is conditional or very, very closely, I've written loosely there, but it's not loosely, it's very closely tied to the instructions. Because Jesus is sending his disciples out on a mission. And, you know, they needed encouragement because the task was impossible. There was only 11 of them. And they were not really a credible organization at this point in time. They were probably in hiding, freaked out. So they needed the courage to face an impossible task. And I love that Jesus' promise is for the entirety of the mission, right? The mission of making disciples, but it's also for the entirety of the disciples' lives, as long as they were on mission. And it's for the entirety of the history of the world, because it says, to the very end of the age. So let's look a bit more closely who this promise is for. Let's go back to verse 16 and 17. In verse 16, um, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Um, you know, some, some commentators kind of say, well, it wasn't just the eleven. Because obviously the women that Jesus gave the instructions to, they probably went. And then there was probably a whole bunch of other people that were there with him too. But Matthew specifically talks about the 11 in his account. But we heard very clearly today as Andy was sharing that Jesus appeared to many people after his resurrection. And I'm sure he encouraged them with similar words. So, but... What we need to understand is that the, the promise and the instruction and the fact was communicated to the 11, but it was also beyond that. It was going to be for everybody that would become a disciple of Jesus. Everybody that would become a disciple of Jesus. And it's interesting also that Jesus wasn't just saying, Peter and John, I'll be with you. Because, you know, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to, you're going to do great things. No, he was talking to the whole crew that was there. And what I find really interesting in verse 17 is that when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So not all of the 11 were full of faith and courage. Some were still trying to get their head around, is this Jesus standing in front of us? And so one of the things that I found really encouraging with this, particularly with those that might have doubted, was that the word doubted, most commentators agree that a better interpretation of this word would be something like hesitated. So it's not that they kind of go, oh, no, I don't think it's real. It's like they weren't sure. They just were still figuring it out. So it's not, more, it's not like uh, doubt that's unbelief. 
it's more like, oh, I want to believe, but maybe I'm just not sure. It's all happening too fast. So if we agree that the promise Jesus makes here applies to us, because Jesus is clearly talking about, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He knew these disciples weren't going to live forever. And he knew they were going to make other disciples. And he knew that the Great Commission was an ongoing instruction for anybody that would be a disciple. So if we agree that the promise that Jesus makes applies to us today, then we must also accept his instructions. Because the promise is attached particularly to the instruction. This particular promise is. Which means, let's bring it back to here, you and me. If we call ourselves a disciple of Jesus, and, and yes, not just the people in the room, but all of you that are joining us online as well. If we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, then we have the same responsibility that those 11 had. The responsibility doesn't just fall on church leaders or the elders or connect group leaders or the evangelists. It's every disciple's mandate. We are to be confident that Jesus, our master, has the ultimate authority given to him by his father. So we can go and make disciples as we go along our daily lives in his name. We're not to discriminate who these disciples might be and what they look like and where they're from. Um, but we are to baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not into the name of any church or any other name. It's into the name of the triune God. And we are to teach them everything that we have learned from Jesus himself. And today, that's all laid out in the Bible, mainly his word. And we have the Holy Spirit that comes along and makes his word come alive to us in our hearts. So at this point in time, some of you are like super excited, even though you're not looking like you're excited. But some of you, or maybe most of you, might feel a little bit overwhelmed. I was feeling overwhelmed at this point. <laughs> I was like... And I can just imagine how those poor disciples would have felt at the time. It's like, Jesus, what, what, what are you doing? And we can feel hesitant because we might think, well, I can't speak. I, I can't remember everything. I don't know the scriptures. I don't know this. I don't know that. I, I mean, you know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. How am I going to, and, and how am I going to baptize people? Isn't that just what the pastors and the leaders do? Like, where, where do I find water as I'm walking along everywhere? Well, Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch. But we've got to remember, Jesus was talking to a bunch of people who weren't skilled, who weren't educated, who weren't prepared for this task in their own eyes. They were fishermen, tax collectors, and sinners. 
But what they had done is that they'd spent three years of their life being apprentices of Jesus. They lived with him, they worked with him, they walked with him, they watched him, they listened to him. And until recently, they were grieving his death. But it's into this space that Jesus adds this promise. He says, I'm with you always. And another interesting Greek word or expression in this always is that it actually means the whole of every day. And if you put it together, it's the whole of every day. Jesus is saying, I'm with you the whole of every day to the very end of history. Think about that. And I love what Matthew does here. Because in these very words, Jesus is reminding his disciples of the fact that he has and he will live up to his name, Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Which was again prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7 and verse 14 of his book. But Matthew puts it in the first chapter of his gospel where he refers to that prophecy from Isaiah in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 23, in a dream that he's talking to Joseph. And now he chooses again to remind us of these words. And Jesus himself is reminding his disciples, I am with you. I am Emmanuel. So maybe some of you are asking now at this point in time, so does this mean Jesus is not with me? if I'm not making disciples and if I'm not baptizing them and if I'm not teaching them what Jesus taught me? Well, the answer is, of course, he's with you. Of course, he's with you because there's so many other scriptures all throughout the Bible that remind us. Let's look at some. For example, Deuteronomy 31.6, it's where Moses is talking to the children of Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of these people that you're going to meet as you enter into the promised land. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And then in Psalm uh, verse 23, verse, uh, chapter 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And then in Psalm 139, verse 7, you know, again, the psalmist is asking, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. <laughs> and then Jesus, in chapter 14, verses 15 to 27, he's talking at length about sending, asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit. But he says particularly, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that's what I love in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said. And then again in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, the writer reminds this church that's facing such enormous challenge to hold on to their faith, says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, quoting Deuteronomy 31.6. So God is with us 
always. If we put our trust in him, if we surrender our lives to him, if we are willing to follow him like Andrew was sharing last week, he is with us. But this particular promise that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 28 about being with us the whole of every day is specific to when we are on mission to him, carrying out the instructions he's given us. If you think about it, throughout the Old Testament, when people, when God called certain people to do certain things, for example, you know, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the list goes on. He always spoke to them very similar words. Don't be afraid. I am with you. People will hate you. They will try to kill you. You will not be popular because what I'm asking you to do is not an easy thing. But I am with you. Don't be afraid of them. And so I love that here, Jesus, who's now ushering in the new covenant and a new way of living, where Jesus, where God said, there will come a day when I will be with them, Emmanuel, and where I will write my laws on their heart and put my spirit in them, pour out my spirit on them. Jesus is saying his disciples the same thing. Don't be afraid. But here's what you need to do. And I will be with you while you're doing this difficult task. So, let's take a few moments just to reflect. Um, I've, I've got some points on a slide there. So, if it's easier for you to look at the slide, just look at the slide. But if it's easy for you to close your eyes, close your eyes. Because I just want you to think about what has Holy Spirit been drawing your attention to this morning? Is it one of those things on the slide? What has Holy Spirit been tapping you on the shoulder about? Is it to trust his supreme and total authority? Is it about you being an apprentice to Jesus? Is it about his instructions about making disciples wherever you and I go? Or is it about embracing the mission because there is a promise attached to this mission should you choose to accept it? What is Holy Spirit asking of you today in this moment? love the song, I love all the songs we sang this morning, but particularly 
spirit-led decision by Anuj to sing Give Me Faith because I love the words that says, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. Give me faith to trust what you say. Spirit, again we yield our hearts to you. We yield our hearts to hear the word that Jesus is speaking to us this morning. Will you help us? Will you help us to obey? whatever you're asking us to do this morning. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.